How do you start diplomatic relations with extraterrestrial life? A new update by JP on dead and awakening giants. How do tachyons work? Joe Rogan does an interview about David Grush, Space Force and Full Spectrum Dominance, Russia's secret space program, a UAP caucus is created in the US House of Representatives, and a new webinar on September 30. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Well, welcome to the September 9 edition of Exopolitics Today. Uh, We have officially uh, finished summer in the Northern Hemisphere, and now fall has begun. Uh, The U.S. Congress is back in session, and so we are expecting some major things to happen over the next few months as Congress pushes through some really big legislation on UFOs. So let's go through my Twitter feed, and I want to start off with this article uh, concerning uh, the establishment of diplomatic relations with extraterrestrials after their future discovery. So in this article in um, uh, Universe Today, here's the link. So you could see it in the Universe Today. It is, is anyone planning for diplomacy with an extraterrestrial civilization? So it is speculating about what is going to happen once extraterrestrial life is discovered. Are extraterrestrials going to uh, want to engage in in relations with us, in diplomatic relations? Are we ready as a planet to engage with extraterrestrials in diplomatic relations? Of course, this is all predicated on the discovery of extraterrestrial life being something that awaits us in the future and that when that happens, then we have to go through this process of understanding how will galactic diplomacy be conducted. Now, unfortunately, uh, for the writer, he doesn't realise that contact with extraterrestrials uh, has been happening for many decades. Diplomatic relations were established As early as the uh, 1940s, late 1940s, uh, depending if we're talking about the United States or uh, Nazi Germany, but diplomatic relations were established in the United States formally in the 1950s. I, I wrote all about that in a book called Galactic Diplomacy, Getting to Yes with E.T., that was published in 2013, and it describes the history of diplomatic relations between the United States government and uh, extraterrestrial, uh, visiting extraterrestrials. So galactic diplomacy has been going on for a long time. So it's going to be a shock to a lot of people that are advocating that we need to start thinking about protocols for establishing diplomatic relations as the author of this uh, article proposes when it's realised that a lot of this has already been worked out in covert programs. So galactic diplomacy has been happening uh, for decades. Now, Congressman uh, Tim Burchett, in this uh, uh, tweet or X, Congressman Burchett is pretty blunt about the continued efforts by the Pentagon to stifle genuine UFO disclosure in, in the Congress. So... Congressman Burchett is is pretty outspoken. He has really become someone who is who is talking quite a bit about uh, the importance of transparency when it comes to the UAP issue. I mean, he knows he understands that the UFO issue is something that is real that has been covered up for many decades. I think that he has spoken to quite a number of whistleblowers in addition to David Grush, and he's convinced, and I think he understands that he's fighting the good fight along with several other colleagues 
in the House of Representatives to get this information out, and people in the Senate are doing the same thing. So there is definitely a push within Congress. Uh, now, in the past, when Congress, when members of Congress have gotten interested or focused on the UFO issue, they've been warned off, they've been approached, typically by men in black suits, men in black, and they've read the Riot Act. They're told, look, if you want to continue to be a congressman, then you're going to drop this issue. Um, otherwise, uh, you'll be things will happen. So that's how they've kept the secrecy for so long. Now, the fact that Congressman Burchett and others are continuing to talk about this means that that is no longer happening, that that pressure, which in the past was applied by people that we would associate with the cover-up, that has not been happening. So I assume that that's because white hats uh, are pushing for disclosure and they've kind of like negated the efforts by the black hats, by the deep state to intimidate people in public uh, positions of, of authority like the US Congress, that they've stopped that from going on. So that's very encouraging. And so, yeah, we'll see how far this will go. I mean, the, the US Congress does have a lot of power and congressmen who start to push aggressively on this UFO issue can make quite a lot of headway, as we saw with that July 26 hearing uh, that Congressman Burchette organised with others. Now, we don't know if there'll be more hearings soon. Uh, apparently, there's been pushback. And in this interview, uh, Burchette talks about the pushback. He talks about why he is uh, pessimistic about the uh, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office website that just came out. Um, and that's that's very interesting that that it came out very soon after the Arrow officers' line of authority shifted. Uh, previously, it was the Under Secretary of Defence for Intelligence and Security who was in charge. A, a, a bureaucrat by the name of Ronald Moultrie was in charge of uh, the Arrow office, or at least. The arrow, of the arrow director, David Kirkpatrick, would report to Ronald Moultrie. Well, now uh, the Deputy Secretary of Defence, Susan Hicks, is now in the person who the Arrow office has to report to. And apparently she was the one that got the website up and running. So there has been a shift. Now, I, I think... Uh, this is probably indicative of the White Hats stepping in to kind of like expedite the disclosure process a little more because they know that uh, David Kirkpatrick is a gatekeeper, but if he has to report to senior officials who, who want the information to come out, then that's a different story. And apparently Susan Hicks, uh, she may be someone who can really push this issue forward. So, yeah, Congress... Uh, is uh, dealing with the Pentagon in terms of uh, the Pentagon's stifling initiatives, but there are white hats within the Pentagon. So maybe Burchett will get together with Susan Hicks and some good things can happen. We'll see. Okay, here's a, here's a very interesting uh, story. The legacy media is continuing to undermine David Grush's testimony on classified programs involving... Uh, the reverse engineering of non-human technologies. Now, Ross Coltart is doing a, a very good job in educating the, the media and the public about the truth of Grush's claims, which are really the tip of the iceberg. And so this is a uh, prepared notes by Ross Coltart, where he spells out and I don't know if we'll be able to see that. I just have to increase the size. Let's see if I can do that. Okay, let's increase the size of this. So we, you can maybe see how Coltart is uh, dealing with with um, some of the issues that are raised by uh, people questioning David Grush's testimony. 
Okay, so this was uh, uh, Media Watch that did a story or wanted to interview Ross Coltart about David Grush. So these are some of the talking points that David Grush raised. And, uh, yeah, he goes through quite a lot of um, issues that are important for understanding why it is that uh, David Grush's testimony is very important. And uh, here he says, for example, the, the current inspector, uh, current intelligence community inspector general, Thomas uh, Monheim, is still preparing his report on Grush's uh, allegations. And it, it goes on. It, there, there is quite a lot of information here. And what I wanted to do was to just like go to this gentleman here, this um, uh, general who is mentioned by Russ Coltart as uh, supporting uh, the credibility of David Grush. So let's see if I can find that in this uh, set of notes. Okay, so, yeah, there are quite a lot of points here. Very, very helpful just if you wanted to get, go into detail. Here we, are, here we are. Retired Army General Carl Nell went on the record uh, to the debrief stating of Grush his assertions concerning the existence of extraterrestrial life occurring uh, past... The, the, the last 80 years, uh, I'll have to increase that a little bit more just so I can read it. Let's see. So he's saying that um, his assertion concerning the existence of terrestrial of a terrestrial arms race occurring sub rosa over the past 80 years focused on reverse engineering technologies of unknown origin is fundamentally correct. So that's very interesting. So there you have... This uh, retired Army General, Carl Nell, I believe he's a Brigadier General, if I remember correctly, he is saying that uh, there has indeed been this race between the major nations to find and reverse engineer uh, these uh, crashed extraterrestrial craft and to do this in these uh, special access programs. So he's affirming that David Grush is, is correct in making that that point. So uh, David Grush definitely has his supporters. Ross Coltart, the Australian journalist, is uh, really behind him and, and supporting his uh, testimony. So let's go on. Okay, so there's the update I did uh, this week on September 4th, so that would have been on Monday, concerning JP's mission to an underground temple, a dead where he saw a dead giant in a very large sarcophagus and also got information about another space arc in the Pacific Ocean in the area known as the Dragon's Triangle, which is similar to the Bermuda Triangle. It's an area kind of south of Japan, uh, between Japan, uh, the Philippines, and Taiwan. So it, it is an area where there's been a lot of disappearances, and apparently there's a space arc there that's been discovered and that China uh, is asserting um, custodianship over that particular space arc. So that's, that's very interesting. Uh, hopefully JP gets to do a mission there in the near future, and we can learn more about that. Uh, in the update, he described going to this uh, temple, this underground temple. And what's interesting about the giant that he saw in the sarcophagus, what he, what he uh, observed about that giant was that the giant was unaccompanied. When he has gone to other places and he's seen giants or he's, or he's been briefed about giants, these are typically protected by an army by some very powerful groups, underground secret groups or an underground civilization like the ant people protecting this uh, giant in, uh, in Florida that we believe uh, may be related to Quetzalcoatl, Viracocha, Toth, Ningish Zida, uh, that 
in this case, this giant that JP and his team, there were 10 people from his team, they saw this giant. It looked dead. It had been looked like it had been dead for a while. There was no one accompanying it other than it being surrounded by jewels. And, and of course, he describes other teams of 10, one from Brazil, one from uh, Africa arriving and there being a conversation and then things happened and they had to leave. And when they came back and they looked inside of the sarcophagus, the giant was gone. So exactly what happened? Did the giant get resuscitated by those teams ar arriving? Apparently the Africans uh, were, were chanting and dancing. And so maybe something happened to activate this particular giant. So we don't know what's what's going on in that case, but definitely it is very, very interesting. Okay, so uh, another tweet that I covered, this from September 4th, um, it was a translation of a, a hearing in the Brazilian Senate where they discussed the UFOs. Now, this, this translation just appeared on, January, on, sorry, on June 24, so not that long ago, it 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 appeared well actually the this event happened in June 24 of 2022 so it happened a year ago uh, but the translation was just made available now and it's very interesting it shows how the Brazilian Senate is very interested in the UFO phenomenon so it's just not the US Congress that is taking action that is being proactive on the UFO issue, you also have the Brazilian Senate uh, being very interested in this phenomenon. So, so here you have the video. It goes for 18, 19 minutes, and it's there's a uh, it's dubbed, so you can actually hear what the uh, senators heard from various uh, UFO experts who spoke before the. Brazilian Senate and talked about why the UFO issue is important for Brazil. So Brazil definitely is proactive. As I as I mentioned, there was a, a team from Brazil that that met up with uh, JP's team in that underground temple uh, that he accessed from a military base in the in the southern United States. So yeah, Brazil is very. Uh, active as well on the UFO issue. Okay, so here's an, another uh, development. Uh, there's some highlights from a recent Joe Rogan interview with George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell about the grave David Grush whistleblower info. Now, you know, the importance of this, of course, is that um, what, what you have with um, Joe Rogan is that he has an audience of, of millions. He His podcast, I think it's 14 million people or something like that, a massive audience. So all of a sudden, 14 million people are being told uh, by Jeremy Corbell and by George Knapp that David Grush is the real deal, that there have been these reverse engineering programs of extraterrestrial spacecraft that have been ongoing for, for decades and that uh, this is happening um, in the United States and all over the world. So, so Joe Rogan uh, is very interested in the UFO issue and so he, uh, I think, was very supportive of this testimony. Now, what, what I find very interesting is that uh, Jeremy Corbell and I believe George Knapp probably thinks similarly that they agree that the reverse engineering of captured extraterrestrial spacecraft has been going on for, for many decades. So they agree with that. But they hold the opinion that, that the reverse engineering efforts have been unsuccessful. So I think this is something that they deduced from the, the Bob Lazar testimony. They deduced that also from this incident involving Dr. Eric Davis with this uh, retired um, director of the Defence Intelligence Agency, um, Vice Admiral uh, Thomas Wilson, who also got briefed about 
a captured extraterrestrial spacecraft that was being studied and reverse engineered by a corporation. He was denied access, but he was told in, during his investigation that the corporation was unsuccessful in reverse engineering it. So I think what we're getting now, I think it's becoming clearer, is that the information that David Grush is putting out and people like George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell are running with it um, is based on these testimonies of people are familiar that are familiar with these reverse engineering programs that have been unsuccessful. So that's a that's a very important thing to keep in mind because I've been working with people uh, going back 20 years now who have been talking about secret space programs where they talk about these reverse engineering programs being successful. So I think what we are witnessing now is is like different levels of the onion or the, if you're peeling back the onion skin, you, you, the most outer layer, outer layer is that, oh, yeah, these are UFO craft, they're real. Um, you have sightings all over the place, they're serious. And so that's the first level. So we've gotten past that. Now the second level is that, yes, yeah, some of these have crashed, uh, they've been recovered, corporations and think tanks are studying them, but they're just too advanced. It's like giving, it's like giving an iPhone to, um, so like 17th, 18th century um, uh, co colonists in, in the Americas. They just wouldn't have a, a clue how to operate and understand that thing, that extraterrestrial technology is just way too, diff way too difficult. And, and so that's the second layer. And, and then you're going to get deeper into the successful reverse engineering programs, but it looks like they're not going to be talking about that anytime soon. So that does raise the uh, point that what we are seeing coming from David Grush and Jeremy Corbell and Bob Lazar is, in a way, a limited hangout. It's revealing some of the truth. It's going further than previous narratives which just focused on UFOs being real and then being a national security threat. Uh, this narrative that Corbell, uh, Knapp, Lazar, uh, Grush are putting out is that, yeah, these UFOs are, have been retrieved. They're non-human in origins, but the technology is just way too advanced for us to reverse engineer. And so, yeah, that's a limited hangout. And I, and I think, I think uh, critics, I mean, there are a number of critics of uh, David Grush's testimony from the UFO community. And, you know, they're saying that this is... Uh, a limited hangout. And, and I think now it becomes clearer that, yes, indeed, if you're, if you're going to say that these reverse engineering programs are real, they've been going on, but they have not been successful in understanding and reverse engineering extraterrestrial craft, then, yeah, that's a, that's a limited hangout. And, you know, why are they doing that? Okay, maybe they're, maybe they're setting something up. And, and I think we're going to be seeing that. So definitely very good uh, questions, important questions need to be raised about, about uh, how far Grush's testimony takes us into the unraveling the truth about reverse engineering projects concerning extraterrestrial technologies. Okay, so here's a very interesting uh, paper that I thought worth uh, mentioning. Uh, this is written by Dave Zed, or I've, I've done a couple of interviews already with Dave Zed, or Dave Rossi is his full name, and he wrote a paper about tachyons and their connection to ancient electronic circuitry. So, yeah, he talks about tachyons, and tachyons are a supposedly a theoretical particle that travels at faster than light speed, and so uh, it in a sense, moves back in time. So that's very uh, interesting. Uh, Albert Einstein, he was one of the first, or you know, if you use his uh, special theory of, of relativity and his general theory of relativity, uh, he, in both cases, talked about time dilation, speeding up time, slowing down time, depending on the um, size of the particles, the speed that they're traveling at, their, their mass, their, their gravitational pull, and so forth. And so 
he hypothesized along with um, some other prominent physicists about the existence of tachyons. And, and so this paper, I think, does a very good job in presenting these very difficult concepts about tachyons in an easy, to, in a way that's fairly easy to understand. So I, I think it's worth reading. Go through it. I, I won't try to summarize it myself because, um, you know, these are, these are pretty, uh, even though that these concepts are presented in layman's terms, you still really need to think through, through it to clearly understand what is, what is going on. So, so tachyons, faster than light, and I think that this is a very important way in which uh, these reverse-engineered spacecraft that have been built and are part of secret space programs operate. Now, I, I, I remember that uh, some of the, the initial releases concerning uh, the, the Germans developing their Hanabu series of spacecraft uh, and their Andromeda class, kind of like cigar-shaped shift, that these used tachyons, uh, tachyon, that these, that these did have a tachyon drive. So these are not just theoretical concepts. I mean, they have been successfully developed going back to Nazi Germany with their Hanabu flying saucer program, and then that was developed in the United States as uh, the U.S. Navy started to build their own secret space program. And that was in the 50s. So uh, the U.S. Navy in the 1950s and to a lesser extent the Air Force had access to these very advanced propulsion principles such as tachyon drives and they used this for building their reverse engineered spacecraft. So, you you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, the idea that these reverse engineering projects have been unsuccessful today, recently, is, is nonsense, that you can go back into the 1950s and there you could actually find sources saying that uh, these tachyon drives had been successfully developed. And I'm thinking of people like William Tompkins who uh, worked in the 1950s uh, with the Douglas Aircraft co uh, Company in developing in designing some of these uh, spacecraft carriers that would be using these kinds of propulsion systems. So that's the tachyon drive. And, yeah, uh, Dave Rossi, why would anyone take him seriously? I, I think that he's worth taking seriously because he has developed some pretty advanced uh, equations and theories that have gained the attention of some very important breakthrough physics scientists. And these are people that are working with cutting-edge exotic physics theories. And, and Dave has sent me some of his correspondence with these people. So you know, that showed that he's talking to them about these concepts. So, yeah, I think uh, Dave is the real deal. Okay, so here there is an announcement um, from the United States Space Force, it announces its mission, its new mission statement. Okay, so again, this, I might have to expand this so you can read it. Let's see if I can do that. Maybe, maybe, okay, let's, let's have a look at that. Okay, so the Space Force announced the new mission statement, secure our nation's interests in from and to space. So that's very interesting because that, to me, that mirrors the full-spectrum uh, dominance that uh, the U.S. military services, the different branches of the military, aspire to establish full-spectrum dominance. And in the United States, I've mentioned this in the past, has 11 combatant commands where... Uh, the, where the, the whole planet is divided up into six geographic regions. You have Northern Command, Southern Command, Central Command, You're divvying up the, the whole planet into these different areas where you have one four-star general in charge of that sphere of responsibility. Uh, then you have Space Force, 
are in charge of everything. Well, actually, it's not Space Force. It's uh, Space Command. Space Command is uh, the newest combatant command, and it's in charge of everything above 60 miles uh, in the atmosphere, which is the official starting point of space. And so what this doctrine tells us is that everything uh, concerning space that goes into it, that's from it, or, or, or going to space, that's going to be something that uh, Space Command and Space Force are going to work to establish. So this is, this is I think, um, them attempting to establish this full-spectrum uh, dominance. And uh, this is this doctrine, apparently, according to the current uh, four-star general in charge of Space Force, which is General Chance Saltzman, um, he says that this mission statement was sourced from Guardian-driven process. In other words, uh, people within Space Force came up with this doctrine uh, that really does establish uh, Space Force's mission to establish U.S. national interests going into, from, and and to space. So, yeah, to me, that's a, just another way of saying full-spectrum dominance. Okay, so that's uh, Space Force. It's a new mission statement. So now let's take a look at uh, this more recent uh, story I did concerning this uh, whistleblower. Oh, actually, he's not a whistleblower. He's a researcher. He's a, uh, a Russian researcher uh, born in Sverdlovsk, Russia, and uh, then he spent time in the Crimean Peninsula when it was uh, part of the Soviet Union and then part of Ukraine. And uh, then after it was absorbed uh, by, by Russia, he, uh, after the current military operations began, he fled. He left for Canada. Dr. Anton Anvilov, uh, he is an expert on Soviet Union history concerning UAPs, UFOs, crash retrieval operations. I mean, he is someone that has interviewed hundreds of people and built up quite an extensive knowledge base about Russia's uh, secret reverse engineering of captured extraterrestrial spacecraft. He knows where the craft crashed. He knows the different extraterrestrial entities that were involved in those crashes. He's familiar with uh, the different facilities where these craft were taken. And he's also familiar with the uh, reverse engineering, the successful reverse engineering of these craft that have led to Russia's secret space program. So this is the first in a series of interviews I've done with Dr. Anvilov. Definitely worth uh, listening to the whole thing to get an idea of what it is that uh, Russia has secretly developed. And some highlights in that video that I thought, that I thought was very interesting. Uh, he is saying that some of these craft that have crashed are not necessarily extraterrestrial craft, but they come from the inner Earth, that these are inner Earth Entities, or you, if you want to call them intraterrestrials, extraterrestrials, we would be part of the surface of the planet, terrestrials, and then you have the um, intraterrestrials or, or inner terrestrials, or however you want to categorize these inner Earth civilizations. Apparently, their craft have come out, and some of those craft have been shut down, and they and what was found in these craft was an insectoid species that looked very similar to the praying mantis. So as you as you can see in the the cover shot, uh, you have this uh, insectoid there, this kind of like praying mantis being. According to Dr. Anvilov, uh, this is a very ancient insectoid race that have been on Earth for a long, long time. They have their own space program. So that's very interesting because it dovetails with what 
um, the Sasquatch many to the Sasquatch message to humanity says. Uh, for those of you that maybe recall, uh, I did an interview with a Sasquatch researcher and contactee by the name of Sumbo True Brother, and and he channeled, or he had telepathic communications and was able to write about the history of our planet from the perspective of the Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch said that the, the first civilizations, uh, you, you had these, uh, these aquatic beings coming out, but then the first truly terrestrial species on the surface of Earth were insectoids. And after the insectoid species had done whatever it was, uh, that they tried to do in terms of establishing a global civilization that led to catastrophe. It, it failed, then it went underground, and then the reptilians established a presence on the surface of the Earth. So this is kind of like a pattern that you, you have on the surface of the planet different biological experiments conducted by various extraterrestrials, and these biological experiments are designed to last a certain period of time, and if they fail, then the species that was created and that lived on the surface has to flee into the interior of the earth to escape the earth changes and to survive. And so then the earth is remade, you have earth changes, and so you have carte blanche for another genetic experiment. And that genetic experiment can start again with, say, another insectoid species or with a reptilian species. And the same thing happened with the reptilians. And we know 65 million years ago, the dinosaurs got wiped out. Again, earth changes. The, the intelligent reptilian species on the surface had to escape. Some went off, off planet, went to Mars. Others went into the inner Earth. So there are inner Earth reptilian species. Uh, they do exist. And so eventually you had um, an avian species, being on the surface of the earth, another genetic experiment. And then and then after that you had the Sasquatch and then the and then finally you had humans. So the Earth's surface has had different genetically created species inhabiting the surface with advanced technologies that were there that were put there by these extraterrestrials. Uh, the cedars, if you like, the, the advanced extraterrestrials. So this insectoid species that uh, Dr. Anvilov observed in these, uh, in these crashes that were retrieved from Russia, uh, in an inner Earth species. And he described how they have incredibly powerful psychic abilities and they can like really fool people into seeing whatever it is that they want to see. So definitely uh, well, well worth uh, listening to that entire interview. There will be another interview. Part two will be coming up in about a week or so. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post an update once that is ready. Okay, so this is uh, something that um, I I got from a repost uh, from Elena Danan, where she talked, well, she uh, retweeted this video concerning the Eridu conspiracy. Now, this Eridu conspiracy is, is very interesting uh, because it talks about the um, Eredu Genesis, which is the oldest Sumerian creation story. It describes, it is the first description of the creation of humans, of the creation of humanity. And it has, and, and of course, also it describes the Great Flood. So this is a source text for the book of Genesis in the Bible. Now, uh, Christian scholars, uh, uh, some of them do acknowledge that the Bible is a derivative of older Sumerian texts. A lot of Christians don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to look at the original source material, which is these uh, Sumerian texts. Now, the Sumerian texts, like the Eredu Genesis, uh, they do have these accounts of the different gods, or the Anunnaki, if you like, that were responsible for the genetic engineering of humanity. And in the Bible, they're called the Elohim. 
And and then that leads to this very big question about, well, who is Yahweh that's described in the Bible? And there are people like Paul Wallace, uh, who has written a series of five books on escaping from Eden. Uh, Mauro Bellino from Italy has also written a series of books describing how in the Old Testament, or the, the scholars for the that put that put together that compiled the authoritative Old Testament, they changed it around 600, 700 BC, that six, seventh century BC, they changed it to remove all references to the Elohim. That prior to that time, uh, the Jews believed that the Elohim had created humans, a plurality of gods or extraterrestrials created humans. And that's not surprising because um, Abraham, the person who uh, brought with him uh, these uh, texts that that helped establish uh, the, 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 the Jewish faith in uh, the, the area of Palestine, he lived or he came from the Sumerian city of Ur, which was at that time part of the Akkadian Empire. So Abraham took with him the oral histories and whatever cuneiform texts he could, describing the flood, the, the creation of humanity, and over the subsequent millennia, that was reinterpreted, redefined, and now it's codified in the uh, Old Testament and, of course, the New Testament. So Mauro Bellino and Paul Wallace described the process. And so I think the Eridu Genesis that describes this creation of humanity is a very important text and shouldn't be ignored. And so uh, I definitely recommend watching this video. It only goes for uh, 30, 30 minutes and it gives you a good insight into the importance of of the of the Eredu uh, Genesis uh, document. So now let's take a look at this Washington Post story uh, that uh, contrasts how the US and Brazil are different in the secrecy imposed on the coverage of UFO sightings. So this is very interesting. So this is a story from the Washington Post really contrasting how uh, the U.S. historically and Brazil historically have taken different approaches on the UFO issue, that uh, historically the U.S. suppressed these stories, dismissed them, ridiculed them, didn't give them any serious attention, whereas the Brazil, in Brazil uh, these stories were treated seriously by authorities, uh, that they were studied uh, by various Brazilian authorities. Now, that is correct. So the Washington Post story there does a fair job in describing this difference between the US and Brazil when it comes to UFO sightings. But this is where you need to kind of like take a step back and understand that, yeah, you, you can have uh, UFO sightings all over the world. Governments have differed in terms of how transparent they are in terms of these sightings, countries like France, um, New Zealand have been in the past more transparent concerning these uh, UFO sightings than other countries. But when it comes to UFO crash retrieval operations and efforts to study these and reverse engineering, reverse engineer those, uh, the secrecy has been universal. Uh, so I think that's important to acknowledge that, yes, Countries take differing approaches to the UFO sightings phenomenon because in itself, that is not such a big deal. The, the big issue is these crash retrieval operations or the study and reverse engineering of extraterrestrial spacecraft, whether they've been retrieved through crashes or whether they've been gifted uh, to various nations, that those occur at the highest level of secrecy. So the Washington Post didn't acknowledge that. Okay, so here's uh, the second last story. Uh, this is the official website of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Caucus 
that has been just created in the US House of Representatives, and it currently has six members. And the goal of this uh, caucus is to, quote, collectively build knowledge, foster dialogue, and influence policy within the UAP community. So this is very interesting. So there's a caucus that's been established in Congress, and, and, and Congress, they establish caucuses when members rally around a particular set of issues. So you might have like the Green Caucus, the Green Lobby Caucus, or you have the Congressional Black Caucus where you, you can have uh, members of Congress meeting and, and liaising because they want to push issues relevant to, say, to uh, to the green issues or whether it's, uh, say, to the rights of uh, African-Americans or, in this case, uh, transparency concerning the UFO issue. And it's very interesting to look at, at uh, some of the members that are part of this caucus in the House of Representatives. You have Representative Tim Burchett, Representative Anna uh, Luna. They were the two people that were behind the um, hearings in the House Oversight Subcommittee for uh, Intelligence and Security. Uh, then you have Representative Eric Berlinson, Jared Moskowitz, Nancy Mace, Andy Silas, who in the House have pledged themselves to coordinate and support legislation that brings about UFO transparency. So this is, to my mind, important, an important development. Uh, it's never happened before. As I mentioned earlier, members of Congress that got too interested in the UFO issue, they were warned off and they had to stop. In this case, uh, Burchette is being given the green light. He is talking about this stuff now. So this is uh, coming. So I, th I think that this caucus is going to grow and it's going to play a bigger and bigger role in the future because Congress is going to has the power to get a lot of the truth out. So as far as the uh, other members uh, are concerned, uh, it mentions Senator Kirsten Gellibrand, Senator Marco Rubio, Senator Chuck uh, Schumer, and Senator Mike Rounds. Uh, all of those four are in the U.S. Senate, that they are all supportive of uh, the UFO issue, that they played instrumental roles in the adoption and passage of the uh, UAP Disclosure Act for 2023 that was incorporated into the National Defence Authorization Act for 2024, which is now being voted on uh, by the Congress and we expect in the next uh, uh, couple of months that that will be passed and it'll become the law. And those four senators played instru an instrumental role in getting that passed in the Senate. And it will also be adopted in the House, in, uh, some version of it or in its entirety. Uh, Representative Mike Gallagher and Representative Andre Carson are not yet members of the caucus, but both of those have spoken in favour of uh, UFO transparency in the Congress. So I think this is a, a positive development. They have a website now. Uh, you can go to that website. It has uh, a lot of very interesting information on it. So definitely um, it is worth uh, perusing. Okay, so those are the stories that I wanted to cover this week. I do have an announcement. So on September 30, I will be doing... Uh, my next webinar. So it's going to be looking at all of the data from UFO crash retrievals historically that have been recovered from not just the United States but around the world. So I'll be focusing on other countries like uh, China, uh, uh, the Soviet Union, uh, and the United States, uh, Australia, and they have been recovered. Uh, the, they have been secretly studied and reverse engineered in various corporate laboratories. And they, this has led to the creation of secret space programs. So what I'm gonna do in this webinar is map out the whole history of how you go from these crash retrieval operations of UFOs to secret space programs that are currently in operation 
that have yet to be publicly disclosed that have any gravity craft using exotic uh, propulsion systems such as tachyon drives to be able to travel to the far reaches of our solar system and even to other solar systems. Now, because there's so much material in this, I did, what I decided to do was to make this a four-hour webinar. So it's going to be um, uh, about twice the length of my normal webinars, about uh, four hours, four and a half hours of a presentation, and then you're going to have about 30 minutes of a Q&A. So there's going to be a lot of material. That's going to be in, on September 30. Uh, the announcement is on my website, exopolitics.org. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there uh, for that uh, webinar. So that's it for the Week in Review for September uh, September 9. I look forward to seeing you next week and covering the latest ExoPolitics updates. And I'm hoping for another big week. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this channel. That's the way to uh, break the censorship and the shadow banning that occurs on, uh, on YouTube and elsewhere. And thank you and see you next week. You have been listening to ExoPolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com. Thank you.